you know, interesting, interesting question that you are evaluating risk there on like, you know, the 1% chance that it's absolutely ruinous is not worth taking the overall risk. Seems like we're evaluating a lot of risk these days, end of 2021, beginning of 2022 yeah. in that way. And you and I were talking about before, you know, we jumped on is like right now, Omicron, which I think is a good news for society because like the infect, uh, the infection rate is off the charts, but the devastation rate to the body is apparently like significantly, significantly lower than Delta, which is awesome. But you know, you're in Texas, I'm in California. People are choosing to, um, people are choosing to deal with this in different ways. Some states are locking down. Some places are saying no. Some people want to wear eight layers of protective masks and never see anybody in person again. Some people are like, "Fuck it, I'll make out with you right now, Darius. I don't really care." Um, so, speaking of demonetization, yeah. Speaking of, speaking of being banned, um, <laughs> wh- I, I'm most interested the politics stuff, whatever. The who created the vaccine, whatever. I don't like the vaccine mask mandates. I'm thinking more of like. Is this really just showing how two different groups of Americans evaluate risk? Because I, I, I just, I think maybe, I, I don't know if it's the, what comes first, the chicken or the egg. I think maybe conservatives or libertarians or red states, maybe they just evaluate risk different than liberals or progressives or blue states. And that's really what this all boils down to. That, that's a thought. So I don't know. I'm just interested. Yeah. I'm interested on in your take on on the whole. Thing. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think it's that. I, I I think that. I don't think it's a left versus right risk. I think there's a lot of rhetoric around why East Group acts this way. So I think that they're just following their own little echo chamber culture war bullshit, and this is just another thing for people to disagree on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you've had and, and I do think the the politics on it are. Red states are saying, you know, this is an infringement on our freedoms, right? Um, and and I should have a freedom to choose this this part of what goes in my body. But there's other shit that you can't tell me what I get to choose on my body because that's a you know if you want to talk about abortion and shit like that, right? I mean, it's a fuck like that type of shit like blows my mind. I'm like, this is the fucking most hypocritical shit I've ever seen. Um, where one in one capacity, people want to pol- pol- politicize, you know control over their body but another aspect they want to control other people's bodies so um i'm 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 like you i'm i'm pretty you know i'm i'm well it's funny i sent you that that thing from um what was it gallup or pew data yeah pew data good stuff dude i'm 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 what what did you what did you what were you on that by the way the one that you guessed correctly i can't remember like a a a sideline something or other uh you were uh, yeah you were you were left of me yeah you were you were, which is hilarious, right? You're, which yeah, is yeah. super hilarious because everybody I know in LA who hates me because they think I'm like Trump fucking 2028, I actually score more liberal, quote unquote, than them, but it's classical liberal. It's not like progressive, you know, you got to believe in the newest chicks and dicks and all the other stuff or else you're a racist, homophobic, whatever. Like, I don't know if I'm that far, but it's like I'm actually more liberal than a lot of people who would claim that they're Democrats, which is funny, but anyway. Go on. Yeah, because it's well. Well, look. The, the reality is, the Democrats aren't what the Democrats were, and the Republicans aren't what the Republicans were. So, right. the, the, like, both of them are fucking been hijacked, and so you can't be both, right? right. And and which which is fucking bullshit. Uh, it leaves guys like you and me like way out. I, I'm I I want to find what I sent you. I'm 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 fucking right wing, right? Right. Which when you start hearing my politics, you're like, I'm. I mean, dude, I'm I'm as confused as can be on the political spectrum because yeah. there's a lot of stuff where I'm super liberal, anything social, I'm pretty liberal on it. 
the barrier to entry to start a business is never been lower and it'll continue to become lower. Why? Because technology is naturally is, is deflationary in nature, right? Yeah. yeah and, I mean, it, effect, it effectively costs zero. At no time could you open a social media channel, become a wholesaler or a reseller on Amazon and like literally just use arbitrage to move goods from this bucket to this bucket with a, I mean, people were always using arbitrage through the entire world economic system, but it's never been like today where there's effectively a zero cost barrier to entry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've never been able to be this entrepreneurial for so, such a little upfront money, right? Now, does that change the fact that 94% of people are not meant to be entrepreneurs? I don't know. Um, you know, Gino Wickman, who, who wrote the entrepreneurial leap talks about that. And so, um, you know, but going back to my thought, which is if core value is the fundamental beliefs of a personal organization, and if we can't count on government to really be able to manage these belief systems in a way that I think people can get behind and not fight, then I think that that comes from ourselves. And I think that if if there's a deconstruction of corporate environments and you're seeing the rise of entrepreneurism because it's so much easier to become an entrepreneur, then I think that creates a really unique opportunity for core value-driven organizations to actually create the change that we want to see in the world, right? Why? Because that's where a lot of value is created. Um, and so when I left the CEO of my company, um, I started working with CEOs and you know, to your point, some of these are some pretty good sized businesses. And what I'm seeing with them, it, it kind of, a, it, it validates my, my, my thought, which is really simple. If technology is becoming commoditized and if there's a deconstruction of corporate environments and you're seeing the, the power going back into the hands of the people through a business environment, then it's only natural to state that you'll see almost a co complete commoditization of the way businesses ran. Why? Technology is commoditized. Price becomes more commoditized. Power goes into the hands of the people. What will end up happening is, is that you can't compete on those different levers anymore. I can't say I'm going to go and be better at a commoditized business than you are just based off of price or technology. Um, what's going to separate the businesses is really comes down to brand and to values. And, and brand is really a representation of the values of a business when it's done well. And so I really believe that in the next 10 years, we're already seeing it right now core value driven organizations where they can get people to show up to them because they they have a more meaningful brand that's truly meaningful not just bullshit right they're going to have better people show up to want to be a part of of, of, of something greater than themselves and so what i'm seeing with a lot of these organizations that i work with is the ones that get that it's there's a direct correlation to how much more successful they are that cuz they get the one thing that matters most to the people that want to come work for them, which is that those folks want to be a part of something greater than themselves. And there it puts them in a position where they can compete for talent in a much more effective way. So I think that that's really what I'm seeing. I think that, that there's a divide that's happening where people that aren't seeing that they're not thinking of business in that way. I'm trying to be, how can I be clear about this? They're going to get fucking smoked, dude. They're going to get crushed. And because all things being equal, big tech's gonna gonna squeeze out the commodity side. If you're if you're just competing as a commodity, like big tech will squeeze you out. You you become an app. Your service is gone. Yeah. You know when you start looking at DeFi, you start looking at blockchain. These are things that I, I'm very passionate about. It's it is a complete automation of the middleman. Like there is no more middleman. And you look at AI. 
that's an automation of of the the menial tasks the repetitive tasks so you start looking at all that shit and you're like oh fuck man and then you you you, you layer on top of that uh moore's law right which is that every 18 months the speed of technology doubles you, there's there's a book uh by a guy of a guy who I interviewed on my show, I have a podcast called uh, the greatness machine, which you're going to be on. Uh, his name is Jeff Booth. And he, and I'm blanking on the name of his book right now. It's a really cool book. And basically he, he talks about that because of Moore's law that we have this massive revolution that's happening in business. And it's because the speed technology is moving so fast that we as human beings do not, cannot understand exponential growth. It, it, our brains just aren't wired to do it. Modern war is not going to be China dropping bombs in right. the United States. It's going to be China hacking into our fucking grid and turning everything off. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's or what just, a modern war looks like. Or just slowly squeezing us with currency or, you know, um, I, 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 I have gone back because I'm a weird political history nerd. I've gone back and watched the Romney-Obama debates a couple times. And Romney basically fucking wiped Obama's like just face on the mat in the first debate because it was all economics. And Obama had been the president for three and a half years, obviously a sharp guy, but Mitt Romney had been at like the pinnacle of the business finance world for 30 years. So he destroyed him. And then in fairness, Obama came back with some really kitschy responses in the kind of uh, international politics debate. Um, and, you know, he made a couple famous lines like, hey, the 1980s called and they, they want their foreign policy back. And, you know, why are you <laughs> why are you over here ranting against Russia and China being the biggest threat to our democracy? And then fast forward, you know, six years and it's like, oh, shit, Russia and China is like a real big threat to our democracy. So Romney got it absolutely right. But he really described in those debates like, no, you don't understand this is we're not talking about bayonets. We're talking about show of force with air with aircraft carriers. And we're talking about not letting them manipulate our currency into effectively trying to turn us into Argentina. And he, he was absolutely right, but that's not the interesting shit voters want to hear. They want the kitschy little, you know, kidney punches and whatnot and the cool one-liners that make their way onto Twitter. Um, but it is it is worrisome that we're in like a low-level conflict with a lot of countries like China, but it's all financial and it's digital and it's it's an ar- it's a different kinds of arms race. It's not stacking bullets and nukes. Yeah, I, 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 the war we're going to fight is going to be a digital war. And we're already probably fighting it for all we know. And, 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 and that's where it, I think that kind of goes back to your other question about entrepreneurs and CEOs. You know, I do think that that's the answer to this is that you need to lean in. The leadership's not going to come from our, our politicians. I think the leadership's going to come from the business world. I think you got to follow the money. And what I'm finding is, is that, you know, as bu- the ones that are most bullish are the ones um, who are investing in their people and are, really leading organizations in a way where they're they themselves there's a saying i'm a conscious capitalist by the way so what does that mean that means that i believe that you can do great by doing good you know that that's not a zero-sum game it's not this thing where one person wins and one person loses like i i I really don't believe that i I do believe that that and and there's a whole ideology in conscious capitalism called stakeholder capitalism right which is it's not about stockholders about stakeholders i.e. I can run Exxon Mobil and fucking dump tons of fucking oil into the ocean to save money, but I'm fucking the ocean up and I'm causing some downstream expenses that someone else is going to have to pay or even I might have to pay it in the future, right? So a conscious capitalist would say, well, there's a real expense associated with that. <clears throat> and so your your bottom line isn't really your bottom line because you've got to like factor in that expense. Whereas if I'm a conscious capitalist, I'd say, well, what if I did it the right way? 
that protected the environment. And I actually looked out for the longevity of the, of the world. And that, that's actually adding uh, an asset to the balance sheet over time. Yeah. Right. So um, conscious capitalism, there's a saying, which is with the leadership goes the organization. So with the leadership goes the organization. So if you start, if you apply that logic against the United States government right now, we have a fucking, we have a fucking big fat ass gap in leadership. And then, and then this is not, I'm not picking on Biden or I'm not picking on Trump. Like this is across the fucking board. We have a leadership gap in this country. Like we haven't had in a long time. I actually, you know, like, for, and, and, look being president of the united states is probably the hardest fucking job on earth you see these dudes go in there and they look like fucking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and they come out they look like shit four years right, later right. and then eight years later they look like a fucking different person you know that's just the stress of that job right they all look like shit coming out of it so you know like we can all be fucking armchair quarterbacks of what it's like to be president of the united states I, if you told me i could be it i'd question whether i'd take the job or not just because I'm like, man, it's going to fucking take 10 years off my life. And am I really going to get anything done? Because these motherfuckers all just, uh, nobody wants to get anything done. Right. No one's, no one's really trying to get shit done for the country as a whole. They're trying to get shit done for their party. Right. Which right. dude, that's fucked. You know, that's not, that doesn't work for me on either side. 